Welcome, everybody, to a Friday edition of Texas All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I'm your host this evening, John Harris. Joining me early on in the show is my man, Drew Doherty. Drew, how you doing? I'm good, John. Good to see you, man. It is. It's a tough day here mm-hmm. in, in the building because of news that uh, we were given a short time ago about safety and one of the best guys you're going to find, Andre Howe. Yeah, it's uh, it's always hard to see that uh, with anyone, much less someone who's so talented, who's so young, and someone who has already overcome a lot in life. You know, I did a I did a, a summit about a month ago over at the Houston Methodist Training Center, and Andre Howell and his mother, along with Hannah McNair, she's the wife of mm-hmm. Cal McNair, the COO of the Texans, and uh, some other women were kind of helping out youth moms that are trying to you know, have their sons play the game safely. Yep. And they, he was on a panel, Andre and his mom. And, you know, he, he had a, he had some times in his, in his upbringing where, you know, his mom had to struggle to, to make yep. ends meet, you know, and, and he overcame that and he, he, he has flourished. And then he was a seventh round draft pick and yep. seventh round draft picks typically do not go on to great success in the NFL. Well, Andre Howe switched positions. He uh, has was counted on as, as a key member of this team. So he's overcome some things in his life. And, um, you know, I think he's going to overcome this. He's in the best city possible for for this treatment. Um, you know, the Texas Medical Center is is A1A, the, the, the top-notch medical treatment facility area in the world. And so, um, you know, we're with him, and he's got a, a team behind him, and, now I'm sure he's going to have a city behind him and a lot of other folks rooting for him and pulling for him. And, you know, I know you and I are, are right there with it. I've been a big fan of Andres for a long time. Great, just a great guy to talk with. Yeah. Such a, a lot of fun dude. to talk with. He's he's always trying to get better. He's always trying to help others. Um, and he's that's been the case since he joined this team. And it's been the case before that even. Yep. So, um, yeah, we're, we're pulling for him. It, this is one that kind of hits you on a day like this because – Everybody really likes Andre Howell, who's yeah. ever been around him. You know, it's one of those things where the, the two guys that this has happened to, and, and obviously you don't want this to happen to anybody, but the two guys it's happened to are perhaps two of the best guys you're ever going to sure. meet in your life. Sure, I mean, David Quesenberry and now Andre Howell. So, but we're still going to do radio the way that we always do it. We're going to have Steven Anderson on. We got a chance to talk to him during the offseason, so we'll have an interview with Steven Anderson. But we'll start this evening with something I wrote this morning. Mm-hmm. I had seen this actually kind of I kind of put a couple ideas together. I have always been a big fan, Drew, of reading like news and notes, yeah. bullet point. Peter Gammons and Will McDonough. They did that for the, the Boston, Boston Globe. Globe. Yeah, I used to love 70s, reading 80s, it. Yeah. And, and on Sundays, I would go get the Boston Globe, and they'd have one whole page. It was just news and notes of Gammons, and I would just uh, everything. I when you're love, in, when you're in college, because you're you're a Houstonian. College, yeah. You know. yeah, exactly. When I was in college, and that's and it may have been done here in Houston, but I was probably too young and stupid to remember it. But I do remember it with the Boston Globe, and I've always liked that sort of thing. And so I started thinking about, wow, okay, for my breakfast article, which we write every week, we all have our, our particular days that we're assigned, and so Friday is mine. And so I was trying to think of what I could do. All right, what can I do? And I was like, oh, let me just do it around the NFL segment because there's a lot of stuff happening, a lot of news and notes. Yep. So look, what if I put together kind of news and notes, and then off of that, I'll build in something I came up with a long time ago for me, which is the Ultimate Eleven, which is essentially just a list. And then I give it a topic, and then I fill it in, and people look at it and say, you're an idiot. Oh, I like that. Oh, that's stupid. All that kind of stuff. But it does get people talking and get some thinking. So I took news and notes. So I took like five different NFL news and notes, and I built an Ultimate Eleven around it. Okay. One of them that I did was 
based around A.J. Boye talking to NFL Network, and he said, you know, I'm still disappointed that we, the Jaguars, did not have both first-team all-pro corners, A.J. Boye and Jalen Ramsey. I think right. Jalen made first-team and A.J. made second. They didn't make both first-team, and he was saying how frustrated he was that they didn't both get first-team. And I thought they should have both got first-team. Right. But it got me thinking, like, all right, let me do an alternate 11 with this. Best duos in the NFL. Yeah, you had some good ones. There's some, there's some salty ones. I'm not going to give it away who I have at number one because I'm actually going to go into that, those duos later on. But it got me thinking about the Texans. Uh-huh. And it got me thinking about you because I, I knew you were going to come down here for radio. And I was like, all right, what can we talk about? And it wasn't so much I didn't want you to talk about those duos. But I was like, when have the Texans had really good duos? And which ones would you say are the best yep. Texans duo? Now, a lot of people say, well, well, Schaub and Andre. No, I'm not talking about quarterback wide receiver. I'm not talking about quarterback running back. I'm not talking about safety corner. I'm yes. talking about two safeties, two corners, two stack linebackers, two defensive linemen, two defensive ends, those kind of things in Texans history. And you obviously knew right away what I was talking about because the very first one I got back was Eric Dickerson and Craig James. I know. And you had it in all caps, and you were messing with me, and I understand. And I said your name after that. But, uh, yeah. no, you know the first thing that I thought of, the first duo that I thought of? Arian Foster and Ben Tate mm. in 2011. And it's, it's interesting first one I thought of too. because in 2010, Texans take Ben Tate in the draft. And I remember a lot of folks saying it's going to be Slate and Tate in 2010, meaning Steve Slayton yeah, yeah, yeah. and Ben Tate. Because Arian right. had, had two really nice games, and had a solid December on the whole. Yep. But the the general public was not aware of or thinking that Arian Foster was going to be Arian Foster, who, yeah. who, the guy who became uh, just so great. So in 2011, Foster misses some time, but he still winds up gaining over 1,000 yards. Tate chips in with 900 and change, and he probably could have gotten 1,000, but you know some stuff fell the way it fell, yeah. and he didn't get the chance, but... Man, you have two 1,000-yard rushers, and the way Arian was running when he ran, I mean, he was in his prime in, in that was. 10, 11, 12 area. He was in his prime, and he still missed, I think, two, three, four games because of a balky hamstring and some other things. So that was the first combo that really jumped out to me, the Foster-Tate combo of 11. Yeah, there was one that I, I thought of right away, and then the second one I thought of was that one. Yeah, I, th I think running backs, it's maybe natural to think of a running back duo. Right. Especially now because there are very few teams where it's one running back mm -hmm. and that's it. But but you don't see Foster, the production like right. you saw that season. Yeah, Foster, from, from Foster Tate together was left hand didn't get you, right hand did. Yeah. But both of them catch the ball in the backfield too. There's so many. That was such a good combination yeah. with Foster and Tate. Uh, what was not, your first combo that you thought of then? The very first one I thought of was two guys that haven't actually played together too much and that's Watt Clowney. Yeah. Those that I mean that's for for defensive ends. Now, the thing about it is you could say Watt merciless 14 and 15, merciless Clowney in 16. Yeah. Those are maybe as as good as you get when, as it pertains to edge guys. But I still want to see like you. Oh, yeah, I want to see all Watt three of Clowney. healthy, but yeah, yeah to me Watt Clowney is that that's we've talked about that since 2014 let's see them together mm -hmm. and so if you can put together a Watt for a Watt 14 15 with a Clowney 16 17 along with a healthy Merciless in 18 
man, what can you do? Might be this year. Might, Might be, be this, this year, year John. Really you know? fun. But that was, the, that was the first one that came to mind for me. You know what? Uh, another one that's a little bit more obscure, linebackers. D'Amico Ryans, Brian Cushing, Very 2009. One. Very good. Both of them were pro bowlers that year. Cushing, I think it was, I think it was Cushing's best season. He was the team MVP in 2011 and had a great season that year. But it seemed like in 2009 he had more splash plays. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and D'Amico Ryans was – what year four six seven eight nine yeah, yeah of his of his tenure here and he was an absolute leader of that defense and it was before the knee injury or excuse me the, uh, the Achilles injury so yeah that, that Cushing Ryan's in 09 that was also the first winning season in team history first yeah. time you're above 500 that one jumped out to me uh, if I if I had to go behind the the Foster Tate one here's another one for me and I guess you could say 11 and 12 mm-hmm. sometimes you don't think of Offensive tackles as a duo. Yep. But when I think about Eric Winston and Dwayne Brown, right tackle, left tackle, those guys were pretty darn good. Eight through I mean, eleven, and then very good. Winston left before very twelve. Good. Yeah. And I think eleven. I think ten and eleven. And I say ten and eleven because I felt That's like peak. Yeah. I felt Eric was was pretty consistent over those years. Dwayne obviously was dealing with being a rookie left tackle or a young left tackle. I thought by two thousand ten. I thought by the end of nine, okay, he's getting it. Yeah. 2010, I thought he was extraordinary and should have made the Pro Bowl for that year. Didn't make it till after 11 because obviously the Texans got some love being a playoff team for the first time. But I felt like 10 and 11, Winston and Brown were phenomenal at tackle. Well, and you know what? You also got to throw in the guards too. Yeah, I mean. Wade Smith and Bryzel those two years, or in 11 mm-hmm. and 10. I think those are good ones. You know what? Uh, you know another one that's that's probably uh, it's like a micro duo. October 2017, DeAndre Hopkins, Will Fuller, yep. seven touchdowns apiece, catching catching that. I mean, I I think just that that month alone mm-hmm. almost eclipses anything Andre <laughs> Johnson ridiculous. and Kevin Walter would have done together. Not yeah. to, not to slight them, but just that 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 one month alone. It's almost like tortoise and hare. Yeah, in some sense, because you have that, which is sort of like the the hair jumping out there so fast, and then you've got Kevin Walter and Andre Johnson, who did it year after year, just steady, mm-hmm. consistent, year after year they did it together. Uh, I thought that was a pretty solid combination, and I know a lot of people will say, "Well, hey, what about 2013 when Andre Johnson and and DeAndre Hopkins were doing it?" It's I good. I would counter with 2014. Yep. Even though Andre wasn't as great, he still had. What eighty-five catches, I think. Yep. And DeAndre at that point had caught in the seventies. I think he had seventy-six. Yep. So to me, twenty fourteen with DeAndre and Andre together, I thought that would that was a pretty good one. That fourteen season. Yeah. And before we go, because I know we do need to hit a break here soon, uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up the tandem of Sean Cody and Connor Barwin for of off the field antics and <laughs> fun. Uh, those guys off the field antics in eleven for fun. and twelve running with on the nose and coming up with that and uh, yeah that was that was always that was always a good one yeah that that's uh, yeah. <laughs> off the field duos that's a that's a good one because then you got to throw Cage uh, Kareem Jackson <laughs> excuse me Kareem Jackson and Jonathan Joseph in because yeah, those guys are those guys are buddies you could also throw them in for twenty eleven as well mm-hmm. I mean that that defense in twenty eleven obviously was Very so good solid, that's when yeah. J Joe got here uh, I mean that would be a pretty solid one I think the what gets hard about corners in some sense, because I thought about – one of them I thought about was 2017 or uh, 2016. But like, which two corners do you use? Because early on, it was A.J. 
A.J. Boye, Kevin Johnson, Jonathan Joseph. Mm-hmm. Then Kevin goes out in week six. I guess you could say A.J. and Jonathan Joseph because those they were, they were balling out in 2016, yep. uh, those two together. But corners, sometimes that third guy gets in there and gets in the mix, which actually makes it better. But that said, when Kevin went out, you still had a pretty good combination with, again, sort of to your uh, Andre and Will, uh, DeAndre and Will Fuller comparison last year. Which duo do you pick for all sixteen? It was kind of, it was kind of Kevin AJ and J Joe, and then it was AJ and J Joe going forward. So that, be- that's a tough one. My best safety duo clearly eleven and twelve, Glover Quinn Daniel Manning. Oh, that's a good one. See, I was trying to think of what safety duo I'd pick. I, I don't. I think the list starts after those guys. I think yeah. so. I don't think there's. I don't think you can come up with a group that's even yeah. close to that. Yeah. I don't. I don't think mm-hmm. so. Yeah, I mean, it's not as if the Texans have been teaming with safeties, if you will, right, for all right. these years. So, Daniel Manning and Glover Quinn. Yeah, when you think about the eleven, twelve defense, there's a lot of different, a lot of different combinations that you can, you can start putting together. I know Seth Payne is driving, going, "Hey, John, what about Seth Payne and Gary Walker?" That's a good, you that's know, a what? Great that's one. a very, very valid one. That's the yep. best interior, you know, right there. I think one of the best interiors you've ever had. Yeah, that was a that was that was a pretty good one. You could also say Jay Foreman and Jamie Sharper. Solid. Two linebackers mm-hmm. uh, together with that early group. Yeah, I mean, there, there are a lot of different Texans duos when I started thinking about it, but the first ones that stood out to me were the Foster-Tate. And I guess maybe it was just because, yes, Arian was as great as he was, but you had Ben Tate when he came in and was like, I'm not taking a backseat to anybody. Right. Forget about that. Mm-hmm. Forget about that. Drew, appreciate it, brother. Anytime, man. All right, coming up next, Steven Anderson. He will join us. He joined Mark and I during media days. We'll interview the Bay Area's finest right here on Texans All Access. Welcome back, everybody, to this Friday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I'm your host this evening, John Harris. We just had on Drew Doherty a little while ago. And to reset the news, if you haven't seen Andre Howe, safety for the Houston Texans, has been diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma, which is, as I've been doing my research uh, from the time that I saw this news today, Hodgkin's lymphoma is, is, I believe, the one that ailed Mario Lemieux. And Mario, great hockey player, was able to come back from uh, from this disease and it's a cancer to the lymphatic system, which is part of your immune system. It may affect people of any age, but it's common in people between 20 and 40 and those over 55. Now, it's one of the two common types of cancers of the lymphatic system. The other type, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, is far more common, and that is one that obviously David Quisenberry had to battle. So that news uh, we found out today from Andre Howe. He is, as most of the players in this locker room, you get to know them a little bit. He is one guy that I've gotten to know more than a little bit over the years. Just playing that safety position, coming from a school like Vanderbilt, I like to think that I see a little bit of John Harris and Andre Howe, what I would have been if I were an NFL player. But he is salt-of-the-earth people. He's one of the best dudes you're ever going to meet. And there are a lot of NFL players in this world that – when you meet them, you go, man, oh, not a good dude at all. This is quite the opposite. Andre Howe is one of the best guys you were ever going to find. And if I were ever in a position to run a business or coach a team, be in charge, Andre Howe would be one of the first calls that I would make when his NFL career is over. So hopefully 
Andre. Um, we'll get back on on a field soon. Mainly, the biggest thing is just to get him healthy, uh, and that's obviously what we're hoping for right here. All of us here with the Texans media department, we're all cheering for Andre Howe on the field, off the field, at all times, but especially in this case uh, with Andre Howe. So that news came out today. So there will be more, I would imagine, over the next few days and weeks as it pertains to Andre Howe, but he's always had a big fan in this guy right here. So if everything goes well, we'll be cheering for you. No question about that. All right, let's get back to the show. And that means it's time for our interview with Steven Anderson. Joining us right now in the Hyundai Texans radio studio, it's Steven Anderson. How's it going, Steven? Pretty well. I um, feel good. Third year, uh, you know, you're, you're smarter, you're stronger. I feel like you're better completely. What's the offseason been like for you, man? You get away at the end of the season, and then you come back in April. What was the offseason been like? Relaxing. Uh, every offseason, I make it a point to kind of get away, you know, unplug, uh, you know, find find my hobby and stuff like that. And uh, so, I, yeah, I just went back home, relaxed, saw family, uh, took a vacation. So Nice. Yes. Where'd you go? Uh, I just went back. Uh, I went back home, and then I uh, I went to Scottsdale with a couple of friends. Uh, I went to – I'm from Northern California. I yep, went to yep. Southern California a couple of times uh, and just hung out, really. It wasn't uh, anything too extravagant. It was just simple. You didn't do the Deshaun Watson Germany thing. Oh, no. Nah. Something like that. <laughs> no, nah. you're just hanging out in Southern California. That's not yeah. a bad place to be. If you're somewhere and your mom is there, too, like you're at a – big store mm-hmm. and she's looking for you mm-hmm. does she make the noise that she makes at the stadium when she's watching you from the stands um it's usually uh usually just the stadium thing usually okay. uh, large uh crowds mm-hmm. i think uh i think the store kind of scene is a little too minimal <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she didn't do that as a kid when you were a kid she didn't make that noise and you were like oh yeah i gotta go oh yeah for sure um she she mainly did it uh outside uh, i i think inside will be be a little too alarming for the people <laughs> it would it would it would be pretty alarming for the people. Steven, the when I think about you going to your third year, it's amazing to think about that. When I think about your career, I think about the game last year against Tennessee. It felt like that game against Tennessee was really where you became a a big time weapon in this particular offense. I mean you've caught the ball throughout, but in that game against Tennessee, it was like Tom was looking for you in that game. And then you make that fourth down catch. Take us through that fourth down catch that you made against Tennessee last year where it's fourth and 19. You've had the false starts, and now it's fourth and 19. You're like, mm-hmm. okay, man, are they going to get this thing? And then you end up making that catch. Take me through that play because that was, a, that was an unbelievable play. And Mark's call was, did he catch that? Did you know right away you caught that ball? Uh, yes, I did know I uh, caught the ball, but uh, just kind of taking you through what was going on. Uh, I think when I'm playing at my best, I'm unplugged. I'm not really noticing the situation, so I didn't feel the uh, the false starts like you guys did. Um, I was just trying to be a football player. Um, yeah. You know, my, I had the middle of the field to work, and it was to really find the space. Uh, Tom stepped up to the right, and we kind of found the gap in between the linebackers and safeties, and he made a great throw where only I can catch it, and – Made a play for the team. So you have to read that situation sometimes. Mm-hmm. Got to get open to the open spot. It's not just about the route you're running. You have to adjust on the fly. Yeah, there's a uh, there's, there's an art to it. You know, we can have uh, you know you can have all the pictures that you want to, but I feel like a good football player can improvise on the on the run and make quick good decisions for the team. Stephen, along those lines, third year, do you feel like the game is slowed down? You talk with vets about that. Where 
you're playing the game at the same rate of speed, but it just feels like everything's slowing down because you're seeing things. Oh, okay, I'm seeing this coverage. I'm seeing how this guy's covering me. Do you feel the game slowing down? Did you feel that throughout your second year? Absolutely. Um, I I felt you know the jump from first year to second year. Uh, my first off season was you know shocking because usually I'm in college, we're doing spring ball stuff like that, and then this off season, I said, okay, I know what t- kind of time I'm going to have, so how what can I do to one relax and get my mind right, um, and then two to improve on my game. So this off season, I was uh, really studying myself more than I did usual, see how I can improve, and I was um, you know it was unfortunate that the injuries happened last year at the tight end position, yep. but. It allowed me to see what in entirely what I need to work on as a player. Um, because if I were going to get the reps that I was getting before all the injuries, then I wouldn't be able to see like everything I need to work on. Now I have a better idea of everything I need to work on. Steven Anderson with us. It had to feel horrible in many ways for a lot of reasons to see what CJ went through last year and Ryan as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was uh it was tough. Uh, you know, uh towards the beginning of the season we were all excited. They were coming off the best seasons of the career the year before. Um and, you know, I'd wanted to uh, you know, add to the bunch uh, as yeah. well. Um so it was tough, uh, with all that happening and um, you know, just great guys that work hard and, you know, the the injuries are something that's out of their out of their control, but that's the reality of the game, and yeah. uh, next man up. And I'm glad I was able to get the opportunity to get on the field and show what I can do. And the room's going to be very different this year with those new guys. Yes. Um, so I'm, you know, a little older in the room, a little more <laughs> experienced in the room. So uh, I have to, uh, you know, kind of set the tone and set the set the culture in the room or be part of setting the culture, me and Griff. Um, so, you know, that's what I'm really looking forward to and uh, helping the new guys improve and um, kind of show them what we do here in Houston. Steven, is it amazing in some sense that you're talking about going into your third year and yet you're the second most senior person in that room? I'm, it just feels like you just got here and yet here you are going into your third year. You're the vet. You're the guy showing these guys around. How valuable is that for you that you know everything within the offense, you know where you're supposed to be, that when you hear a play you can just go out and do it, where as the young guys are sitting there going, oh, man, where do I line up, where do I have to be? How much of an advantage in some sense does that give you to be able to get on the field because you know those things already that you are and have been in that role before this? Well, it's definitely an advantage. Um, It's definitely an advantage being able to know what I need to do, know what we're uh, trying to get done, but I think uh, what – makes me even better having young guys there, having inexperienced guys in there is uh, being able to take what I know of the playbook of the offense of the team, put it into different words and teach it to the younger guys. And I feel like that will improve my knowledge as well as their knowledge in doing that. Steven, thanks a lot for joining us. Good luck. Absolutely. Thank you very much. We had a long conversation with Steven Anderson afterwards about In-N-Out versus Whataburger. Now, he's Californian, so we always ask that question to put – People on the spot, and he was very diplomatic about it, but you know he's an in-and-out guy. People that come from California, they're all in-and-out people. They love it. I'm Whataburger all the way. And and look, I love in-and-out. I love in-and-out. I think in-and-out's great. Whataburger, 24-7, 365, that's the place you go. You get breakfast. My my son will eat Whataburger all day long. But you want to create a fight? Create a fight. Get in a conversation with people from the state of Texas about Whataburger, and you will – it will be a nightmare for you. It will be a nightmare for you. You, you, may, you may lose 
badly, and it's not, it's not going to be pretty. Texans and Whataburger, very similar to HEB. It's funny. We had uh, we were thinking. About, I was talking to my son yesterday about HEB, and I Whataburger gets hooked up with HEB, and I was like, what took so long? Like those are two of the most Texan things ever being put together: HEB and Whataburger. And they make sweet music, and I love it. I go in there, I've gotten everything that Whataburger sells in HEB. I think I have every condiment in my house, from the honey mustard to honey butter, the spicy ketchup to the mayo. I have everything. So I guess that shows that I'm I've become a true Texan since moving here in 1983. So big thanks to Stephen for joining us. It is going to be an interesting position to watch in training camp, just due to the the bodies, just the guys that are there, the different types. You've got Matt Lengels, a little bit closer in size to C.J. Fedorowicz. So you think about him as a run blocker, but then you watch catch the ball and go, man, he's pretty good at doing that. Then you got Steven Anderson, and we know what Steven can do in the, in the receiving game for sure. Then you got Ryan Griffin, who has done a little bit of everything for the Texans since joining him in the sixth round in 2013. And then you throw in these rookies, Jordan Thomas, Jordan Akins. Which one of these, if not both, could get up to speed the quickest? And then you have Giovanni Robinson, a small forward. And then you got Michael Pruitt. This is a really intriguing. I know there was a lot of panic about the tight end position after CJ retired, but the Texans couldn't have attacked it in a more. They just they've thrown everything at it. Now they didn't throw at Jimmy Graham and they didn't throw, which is going to be way too cost prohibitive. They didn't go after Eric Ebron either, which I don't think which would have been a solution. They decided to throw rookies, waiver claims, and two guys that they already have on campus. In addition to two guys they had a practice squad, Giovanni Robinson and Michael Pruitt, that could develop into players they could see playing for them. I had this conversation today when I was over at Sports Radio 610. I was on with the Mad Radio guys in the morning, and then the In the Loop guys were uh, Fred Davis, Landry Locker, and John Lopez. And we were all kind of talking about the Texans. We got talking about free, uh, the tight end position, and I think it was Fred brought up the tight ends. And I just thought, man, this is – this is going to be a really tough cut because you're not you're not bringing all those guys in the 53. You just can't. Last year there were three, and it was clear cut. No matter who was at training camp, you knew it was going to be Griffin, Anderson, Fedorowicz. Now, if one of them got hurt or two or three, what were you going to do? That became a valid question. Became a valid question. When they were all healthy, which they weren't, when two of them were healthy, which was typically Griffin, Griffin and Anderson, you were ready to roll with those two. It's a matter of keeping that group healthy, but, man, you've got a lot of interesting, athletic combo options. Young, a little bit older, nobody ancient in this in this tight end uh, group, which I think is going to make for a very fascinating group to watch. There's no question about that as we get closer to training camp. Now, when Drew was on the show earlier, we went through the best Houston Texans duos in history, two linebackers, two wide receivers, two tight ends. You know, that was one we didn't talk about. Did we talk about that? Griff and Fedorowicz in 2016? That was a re- I mean, 104 catches between them, 54 for CJ, 50 for Griffin. They're outstanding, which I believe is one of the – both of them are up there. I know Owen Daniels for tight ends, he set the bar. But CJ and Griff, that's one of the better Texans duos, no doubt. You could say Garrett Graham and Owen Daniels as well. But I think Garrett has stepped up when Owen got banged up. So I don't know if I'd cross them over too much. But C.J. and Griff in 2016, they would definitely be on the list. Now, this all, this talk about duos stemmed from an article I wrote this morning 
about what Jalen Ramsey and A.J. Boye, actually A.J. talking about the two of them, but Jalen would tell you the same thing, what they think about themselves, the best corner duo in the league. And that got me thinking about something I actually wrote about. We'll talk about that next right here on Texans Access. One final segment of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. On this Friday evening, I'm your host, John Harris. Glad to be with you. Tough day here in the building as news of Hodgkin's lymphoma, that word again, lymphoma, rearing its ugly head for Andre Howe. Obviously something we went through, uh, the Texans went through, and David Quesenberry had to fight and overcome. And I know Andre Howe will do the same, but that news coming down today for one of my favorite guys in the building, uh, Andre Howe. So thoughts going to be with him throughout his fight, and obviously we're going to do what we have always done here as Texans fans, as Texans band together and help out a guy that we have adopted as our own. Yeah, he might be Louisianian by birth, but he has definitely become a Texan over the last five years. So we're hoping all will go well for Andre Howe. So let's get back to our radio action, if you will. Now, we have heard from Drew Doherty. It was great to catch up with Drew. We also heard from Steven Anderson, who I gave a hard time to. I saw Steven, gosh, I think it was after game six, maybe. Maybe it was after game seven. I can't remember. Now, keep in mind, Steven is from the San Jose area, and I saw him wearing a Steph Curry the town jersey, and I just saw him, and I just went, I can't even be friends with you anymore. And he was he was so funny. He was so Steven Anderson about it. He was just like, man, I'm sorry. I just got to represent. That's where I'm from, and I, I, I totally understand. I'm glad that he gets an opportunity for, for his team. Because growing up, that the Warriors were eh, nothing. Even when he was at Cal, the Warriors are, eh, okay. I think it's here to Houston. They've won two out of two, well, they've won two out of the last three, looking to make it three out of four. With a win on Friday evening, Warriors looking to close this thing out in Cleveland again. Oh, man, a lot of talk about LeBron. Chris Bosh said on uh, The Herd with Colin Cowherd said that he expected LeBron to sign with Houston, which, by the way, you already think of the star power in this town. And you think of the Rockets, Harden and Paul in particular. You think about the Astros with Springer, Correa, Altuve, Verlander. You think about the Texans with Clowney, Watt, Watson, Hopkins, Tyron Matthew. There's a lot of star, or star power in this town. You bring LeBron James here, oh, man. Goodness sakes, live. Maybe we can play, like, tight end, too. I don't know. Maybe he and Steven Anderson could be on the field together. Anyhow, that, uh, that was fun. So we had Steven Anderson, we had Drew on. And one of the things I asked Drew to do was talk about the – most and best duos, Texans duos. The reason I did that, I wrote an article this morning, uh, my breakfast with the Bulls, on, I just did a bunch of Ultimate 11s, which for me, if you don't know, it's just my way of compiling a list. So I took some of the news and notes I'd seen around a league and constructed an Ultimate 11 around it. And one of them that I, I pulled out, I saw this, uh, I think it was on Tuesday. A.J. Boye was on... One of the NFL Network shows, I think it may have been just total total access, and they were asking him different questions, and they got to a point. And I've seen AJ's uh, highlights 
of A.J. Boye. And this was, after, this was during the Seattle game. And I remember being on the field at Everbank, now TIAA Bank Stadium, down in Jacksonville. And I'm watching the highlights, and you can hear him, and you hear A.J. say something to the extent of, we've got both all-pro corners on this roster. And he's pointing at Jalen Ramsey. And so they're, of course, celebrating and all that kind of stuff. And so A.J. reiterated the fact that the Jacksonville Jaguars – have two first-team All-Pro corners, but they weren't both voted first-team All-Pro last year, and so he was lamenting the fact that the writers did not choose those two as the top corners. And that got me thinking, hmm, that's a pretty good duo. Is it the best duo in the NFL? And so I came up with this ultimate 11, see how you think I did, the ultimate 11 duos in the NFL. Now, when it comes to duo, I thought about it as positions. I didn't think about it as quarterback-wide receiver duo. I didn't think about it running back-wide receiver. I thought about running backs, pass rushers, interior D linemen, stack linebackers. I thought about them playing similar positions, so I did not put Watson and Hopkins. I didn't do anything like that. And, of course, I don't want to have any quarterbacks because that's not a position that lends itself to having two quarterbacks. So... Here are my ultimate 11 duos in the NFL. You can see how I did. Number 11, those two stack linebackers, Bobby Wagner and K.J. Wright of the Seahawks. Now, I have another group of linebackers coming up in a little bit, and they're, they're very similar, but I think those two overall have been a little bit more productive. We saw Wagner and Wright last year, and Bobby Wagner is a dude, a complete and total dude. And I've always been a K.J. Wright fan. I think if anybody holds that duo down, it's probably – Probably K.J. Wright just a little bit, but, man, you're talking about long, athletic. Woo, Wagner, man, both those guys, actually. Wright is – he doesn't even look like an inside linebacker, but he and Wagner together, that's a tough duo. Number 10, now this might be a little bit of a stretch because one guy has been traded to this group, and the other one is coming off a number of years of being suspended, or so it feels. But I think these two could end up being a lot higher when all is said and done. But number 10, I've got wide receiver from the Browns. Jarvis Landry and Josh Gordon. And we know all about Josh Gordon's travails and things that he's gone through. And Baker Mayfield said when he was asked about this receiving core, he got to Josh Gordon. He said, I've never seen anybody like this guy. And if Josh Gordon is at that level and plays at that level that he was a few years ago, and Jarvis Landry is doing his thing from the inside on the slot, you can talk about as good a wide receiver duo. In fact, I don't have another wide receiver duo on this uh, on this Ultimate eleven, So, I guess that's what I'm saying. It's the best duo in the league, Jarvis Landry and Josh Gordon. Number nine, two edge players from the Raiders, Bruce Irvin and Khalil Mack. Now, we all know about Khalil Mack, but I remember that game in Mexico City in 2016, and Bruce Irvin was the guy that was hurting the Texans. It was Bruce Irvin, not Khalil Mack that night. Mack got a sack right before half on – I think what was going to be a, like a Hail Mary play right before that, that was it. That was all Khalil Mack did in that game. Now, in the playoff game later that year, Mack had a few, I think he had a couple tackles for loss, but did not have a sack, I don't believe. He had a bunch of tackles, but he didn't have a bunch of, he didn't have a bunch of impact tackles, i.e. sacks in that game. But those two together, now obviously Khalil Mack's looking for a new deal, but Bruce Irvin is a guy that doesn't get a lot of credit, but, man, the players respect the heck out of him. He was a top 100 player, so Bruce Irvin and Khalil Mack at number nine. Number eight. Two defensive linemen from the Philadelphia Eagles. Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham. I think Fletcher Cox could be one of the more underrated elite players 
in the league. And Brandon Graham obviously had that play in the Super Bowl where he knocked the ball out of Tom Brady's hands with the strip sack, and that was a play that really turned a back-and-forth game completely in favor of the Philadelphia Eagles. But Brandon Graham, it, it's been, I want to say, career kind of career death by paper cuts, but it's just a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time before people go, hey, man, Brandon Graham's a pretty good football player. He's just had to do it a little bit at a time. It hasn't been this this aha moment of, oh, my gosh, he's dominant. It's just been getting better each and every year. Uh, Brandon Graham, to me, is sort of like the Whitney Merciless uh, of the Eagles. He just Each year he just gets a little bit better. I think Whitney's better overall. He's more dynamic than Brandon, but I think it's hard to turn away from uh, or to uh, deny what Brandon Graham has done with the Eagles. Number seven, those two other stack linebackers talking about, Luke Keekley and Thomas Davis of the Carolina Panthers. Now, Thomas Davis is going to miss some games because of the PED suspension, but those two on the field, as good as it gets. You throw Shaq Thompson in there, it's a pretty decent linebacker trio, maybe the best linebacker trio there is in the league. But Luke Keekley, Thomas Davis, the Panthers come in at number seven. Now, at number six, this feels low, as in it could be a little bit higher on the list, meaning somewhere between one and five. The only reason that I have it at number six is because we've never really seen these two players on the field together. They've been dominant in different years, one in 14 and 15, one in 16 and 17. And the third guy, if you will, in that list has been really good, 14 through 16, was injured last year. You know what I'm talking about. J.J. Watt and Jadeveon Clowney with a Whitney Merciless chaser. Now, you could put a Watt-Merciless combo. You could put a Clowney-Merciless combo. But Watt and Clowney can be completely dominant. Now, they've got to do it together. In the last two years, they've only played seven. uh, What is it? No, three and four. Yeah, seven. They've played seven of 16 games together. So it's time to get them all 16 games and see what those guys are able to do. But number six, Watt and Clowney. Defensive ends for the Houston Texans with Whitney Merciless. Now, if I extended this to trios, I don't know if there's any better pass rushing trio than Watt, Clowney, and Merciless. Again, with the caveat, if everybody's healthy. Number five, running backs for the New Orleans Saints, Alvin Kamara, Mark Ingram. Ingram will start the season with a four-game suspension, like Thomas Davis. But when those two are right and those two are together like they were last year, man, that was an incredible marriage. Kamara, offensive uh, star, rookie. I want to say he was offensive rookie of the year. Ingram probably had one of the best seasons because he didn't have to carry it every single time. It wasn't all on his shoulders. So from that perspective, Ingram and Kamara feed off one another. Now, with four games without Ingram, we'll see how Kamara responds and what more Kamara is asked to do. But those two, Kamara and Ingram, at number five, pretty stout. These two pass rushers, I don't think, get enough credit for how good they are together. And I think it's they're going to be the two keys for the team that I think is a sleeper, not only the AFC, but in the entire NFL. Because if this thing clicks, they've got elite players at a number of key positions. Quarterback, wide receiver, safety with a rookie, linebacker, corner. But then a pass rusher, I don't know that there is a better duo, better edge duo than Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram from the L.A. Chargers. These guys are just completely home wreckers. Those guys are can do it from a lot of different sides. They can do it from both sides. They can do it from inside. They can do it from outside. They can do it next to each other. They can do it on opposite sides. Bosa and Ingram, I, I, look, if the Texans end up playing the Chargers, that's great because it means they're playing in the playoffs. 
But I think that team could be scary if all things click uh, as we think they could possibly do. Number three, actually three and two are both Rams, two different duos. Number three, I put the corner duo, Akib Tlaib and Marcus Peters of the L.A. Rams. And number two, I put the defensive tackle duo of Adamican Sue and Aaron Donald. Now, I'm not sure that there was really a a deciding point between the two other than the fact that I think Donald not only is one of the top defensive players in the league, I think he's one of the top players in the league, just overall, no questions asked. And with Sue still in a dominant phase of his career, I just think those two end up being a bit better overall than Tlaib and Peters. Both Peters more so. It's just such a wild card. You just never know really what you're going to get. Tlaib, I think, is going to be a pretty consistent player. Obviously, he's done some things in the past off the field and on the field, still in Crabtree's necklace comes to mind. But to keep Tlaib and Marcus Peters, Sue and Donald make the Rams. Wow. They, oh, goodness. Just <laughs> thinking about what that defense is going to be able to do. Now, I would love for the Texans to play the Rams this year outside of a preseason game, because that would mean they're meeting in the Super Bowl in Atlanta, which would be all kinds of fantastic. But at number three, the corner duo of Keith Tlaib, Marks Peters for the Rams, and at number two, the interior defensive line duo of Sue and Donald. And at number one, ugh, I hate even putting this there, but you gotta, you got to give respect to the number one duo in the league. And I, I said this before, and I'll say it again. It's the Jacksonville Jaguars corner duo of A.J. Boye and Jalen Ramsey. Now, they won't have a third piece. And I think that's what made them – that's what made that secondary elite was the fact that Aaron Colvin came in the game and he was able to lock down inside receivers. He could go out to Chris Hogan as he did in the AFC Championship game. Aaron, Cole, Aaron Colvin gave them a whole different look. Now, Ramsey and Boye on their own, good enough. But when you throw in the safeties as they had with Barry Church and Tayshawn Gibson and then you throw in Aaron Colvin, okay, that secondary was complete. Now – there might be some change at safety. Ronnie Harrison, the rookie out of Alabama, is going to be in a mix here pretty soon. I don't know who they'll end up putting as the third corner with Boye and Ramsey, but that does put a little bit more heat on both Boye and Ramsey. That said, those two should be the first-team all-pro cornerbacks. Should have been after last year. Now we'll see if that continues on into this year, see if both of them can stay healthy. That's one thing for the Jacksonville defense, and I've talked about this many times. That Jacksonville defense last year was able to stay healthy all the way through. I think Telvin Smith missed two games, but it was a 16-game started, 16 games played all year long for that Jacksonville defense, and that changes things. If you get 16 games 16 game started, 16 games played for all the pieces that we think will be there for the Texans defense, you'll see this team with double-digit wins and on into the playoffs. No questions asked. So now it's just a matter of can the Texans stay as healthy as the Jags were able to do last year. And if they do, well, it's going to be a really fun division this particular year. And that competition, Week 7, Week 17, Jacksonville Jaguars, is definitely going to be a fun one. But the number one duo in my ultimate 11 ends up being Boye and Ramsey. All right, folks, that's going to do it. Appreciate you guys listening. Big thanks to Drew Doherty, Mark Vandermeer, Steven Anderson, And you guys, for always listening, that support means so much. And obviously that support now must go to our good friend and Texans safety, Andre Howe. Andre, we'll be thinking about you, man. This news is very, very disappointing and upsetting. But if there's anybody that's going to be able to get through it, 
and get through it in a way that only a champion can, that will definitely be Andre Howe. We'll see you on Monday, everybody. Have a great weekend, and go Texans.